Welcome to Today on Broadway for Christmas Day, Friday, December 25th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday's Gray Saki. I was I was curious to see what you were going to be today. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? She's Santa's little helper. Um, <laughs> so we are here today with another very special episode, as we did with the Netflix adaptation of The Prom a week or so ago. We are back to have a roundtable discussion about Netflix's adaptation of... Ma Rainey's Black Bottom could not be two different things to discuss between the prom (laughs) and Ma Rainey's, but they are both exquisite and and interesting and, and important in their own right. Of course, this is based off of the play of the same name written by August Wilson. It is directed by the great George C. Wolfe with a screenplay adapted from the play by Ruben Santiago Hudson, a Tony winner in his own right. The film stars Viola Davis as the uh, the the real life person Ma Rainey, who is known as the mother of the blues. The film takes place in 1927 as Ma Rainey and her band are getting ready to record an album in Chicago. Her band is played by uh, Chadwick Boseman, who plays the trumpeteer Levy, Glenn Turman, who plays the pianist Toledo, Coleman Domingo, who plays the trombone player and like the band leader Cutler, and speaking of the pro- Michael Potts, who plays Slow Drag, yeah. the bass player. We also see uh, Jeremy Shamos uh, as Ma Rainey's manager, Irvin. We also get Taylor Page, who plays Dusty May, who is Ma Rainey's young girlfriend. And um, we also get Dusan Brown, who plays Sylvester, Ma Rainey's nephew. Interestingly enough, if you don't, I didn't know who Taylor Page was, but when I went and looked her up, she is the going to be the the star. Of the new film uh, Zola, which is coming out in 2021, yeah, yeah, co-written by Jeremy O'Harris. So um, very exciting about that. She is uh, certainly somebody uh, on the rise. That film also stars Coleman Domingo, as well as Ariel Stachel as well. Um, So we're going to get into this. Um, I feel like a lot of people have already told you about how great this this film is mm-hmm. the reviews have been fantastic uh, barack obama put it on his favorites list of 2020 which is always a nice sign uh, of things but um, it is important to realize as the three of us this is a play that very much talks about issues surrounding art and representation and commodification of of black people and black artists none of the three of us uh, are black um ashley and i are white grace you are are asian american so we don't necessarily have the best insight to this but as a panel we're going to uh discuss that we would also love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, especially if you um, are a black person uh, who maybe gets a little bit of a different context out of these things uh, than we do. So let's just dive in. Uh, Ashley, let's start with you. What sure. were your thumbnail thoughts about Netflix's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? I just, This is another thing where I finished it about 10 minutes before we recorded. So very fresh in my brain. Uh, I've read the play before. I reread it in the past couple of days to kind of refresh myself ahead of watching it and like all of uh, Wilson's work. It's just a great piece of writing and stagecraft. This was one of those adaptations where you wish the writer was around to see it. I thought it was so stunning and 
every way the life that uh george c wolf and ruben santiago hudson brought into it the latter especially is always so loving to wilson's work uh just generally uh, the acting performances which we've talked about when we've kind of you know anytime a trailer Mm -hmm. or a preview clip has come out in the past few weeks always gushing about both Viola Davis and the late, great Chadwick Boseman. I I thought their performances were so stunning. Uh, I I always forget how, I mean, the the play I think is only 112 pages. um, So I always kind of forget how short it is in retrospective. And I'm always kind of left wanting more, but I think that just says more for Wilson's writing than anything else, because I thought, that the film was so tight and well constructed that there wasn't really anything that I was longing for past what I saw. Grace, what did you think of the film? Yeah, it was, it was so, I actually was really quiet immediately after I watched it. Mm -hmm. Not that, you know, I could like yell out to someone like it was great. Um, But like, (laughs) you know, when you're, you're sitting watching a play and afterwards everyone kind of has to erupt in applause. But I felt like if I were in a theater with people watching what we just watched, I would have just sat there just like I did at home and just thought, like, it it was just like watching Chadwick, watching, you know, another August Wilson, like, It was just, it felt as perfect as an adaptation as I felt it could have been for me personally. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm I'm not him, (laughs) Uh, but like George C. Wolf. And even in the, in the afterward, there were, there was this uh, kind of like a little like 30 minute talk back. I don't know if you guys got an opportunity to watch it, but Netflix. yeah. Yeah. They also released this wonderful little uh, clip of, uh, you know, they talk about uh, the lighting and the artistic direction of the whole film. And Anne Roth talks about like the purposefulness of each costume. It was just really beautiful. I can't stop talking about it. I'm sure you've read every mm. tweet ever about how lovely it was, but I, <laughs> we can't stress enough how, how I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this. The way people talk about fences, I was, I enjoyed it very mm-hmm. much. I respect it very much. This I would talk about this the way people talked about the uh, Denzel Fences film adaptation yeah. with Viola Davis. That Fences is one of my top five favorite movies right. uh, of yeah. all time. So I went in thinking this was going to be the same uh, type of experience. And they are two very different films, obviously oh, yeah. both dealing with the uh, American life of, of black people, but from very different perspectives in fences, we are talking about people who have been beaten down by society and sometimes by themselves in Marini's black bottom. We're talking about people who have, despite all of the racism in the country, especially in the 1920s um, have forged some power for themselves. And, and that's, what I thought was was so compelling here. I want to start and we'll talk about more of that, but I want to start with something that I think is is really interesting about the the adaptation here and I think this is both as you said Ashley both George C Wolf as the director and Ruben Santiago Hudson as the screenwriter. The two frames that we have at the beginning and the end of of the film are not there uh on stage. Mm-hmm. In in the film and I guess spoiler alert, but like we <laughs> see it, it actually opens with an incredibly jarring scene where 
I started to tense up right away because we see two young black men running through the woods. And then all of a sudden we start to hear dogs and I'm like, holy shit. Like, what is like, I, we're going to see some escaped, you know, something you're just, you think slavery or like people escaping from that or people running from trying to be lynched. And then you're, I just, I tensed up. And then all of a sudden you see that they're running to get to like a tent revival concert (laughs) of Ma Rainey. And I'm just like, (sighs) and so that kind of set that up. And what's interesting about this is, is that in the play, as you know, uh, Ashley, from just rereading it recently, mm-hmm. you don't you don't see Ma Rainey early on. And yeah, yeah, she's a, very late in the end of the. I guess technically the, the end of the first act. Yeah, which is so him, right? Like with Iceman yeah. cometh, like exactly. Denzel comes out like right? third yeah, exactly. act or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it, and it's what I think is so interesting about the two differences there in the play. You only hear about her, and so you create this larger than life character of Ma Rainey before you see her. But mm. you get the opportunity for that frustration for her band and for um, Irvin and the record uh, producer, studio owner, um, uh, Sturt event like to get angry and you have that build up and that is such a power play move by her. It's not because she is um, frivolous or doesn't care. This is a power move. Then on the back end of it, we get this scene and I do not want to spoil this one, but at the end of the movie, we have another scene that is not in the play that so perfectly. Oh, I really want to spoil all that scene. Okay, well, maybe we'll talk about it at the end, but we'll give sure. a spoiler alert. But okay. it so contextualizes everything that both Ma Rainey and Levy, Chadwick Boseman character, is talking about. Like it, it was just one of those things where I'm like. I missed a lot of things that I think happen in the theater with this piece, like the building up of the frustration, because it's a short play on page, but mm. on stage, it's a two and a half hour show. And that's obviously includes some music and some waiting around. Sure, sure, sure. You don't have all of that frustration build up with her. You don't get to see the, the, the anger rise up in Levy as much as you do on stage. So I missed some of those things. But on the other side of that, there was these beautiful things that you could only do on film um, that really contextualized things in a different way. And I really loved that about the adaptation, Ashley. Yeah, that's really interesting point that you made about the like Levy's frustration. That is, I would I would say that's probably the only major um, criticism that I have as far as the screen adaptation is that it felt at some points like it escalated a little bit quickly where you read Ma Rainey on the page or you see it on the stage. And I mean, most of it is, you know, these five black men, five, five, six, how many people are in the band? There's four four black men plus her nephew, uh, Sylvester. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, most of what you see on the page or on the stage is, you know, these conversations that they're having with each other. And then, you know, when Ma Ma Rainey comes in at the end of the first act, then you're starting to get like, you're, you're getting her build up. And as you said, her power moves throughout all of that. You see Ma Rainey right at the beginning of the film and, and it, you it, see her perform, which I think is and important. You see her perform you, in two yeah. different settings. You see her perform and you see the growth of that. And in one of the performances, you see just this little subtle thing like that shows the relationship between her and Chadwick Boseman's Levy. Mm-hmm. That is again, oh, yeah. only you can do on film, but it is different. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, there were, you know, I saw some criticism as far as how just generally the way it was shot or the way it was directed and kind of like how tight things were that you didn't 
really get to see everything. And I think that's very much like a stage to screen thing that a lot of people have complaints about that you're like kind of, you know, panned in too tight. I don't really personally get that. You weren't losing anything. And if I see a stage to screen adaptation, I want it to fit the medium it's using on stage. You you see it all simultaneously and from a distance and the stage is itself a character on screen, you know, give me whatever antithesis (laughs) you want as long as it's done well, which this was versus like Tom Hooper's Les Mis close-ups. Oh, Jesus. Let's not get into that. Uh, We're not doing well (laughs) on Les Mis. But I think it's interesting, you know, we talked about the build-up, Ashley, and maybe some of the criticism Mm -hmm. with that. I think on the contrary, I mean, I I agree with that, but what I think made it a little bit Mm -hmm. easier for me to take and not worry about is because Chadwick Boseman in his final film performance ever was devastating. Um, There's the scene, the monologue where he kind of explains his reasoning for how he interacts with white people and yes. grace yes. that was Le- just levy gotta be levy monologue yeah and it's it was just so powerful what did you take away from chadwick boseman uh in this film which is unfortunately turning out to be his final film performance ever well i mean aren't you glad it's not the love guru or something like jesus <laughs> that's a performance to go i mean it's it's so unfortunate it's it's untimely it's upsetting um and knowing what we know now you know i was watching his face and I was watching, you know, like the gauntness of, of like his expressions and like, it was just, it, it was so much harder, I think, to take than uh, if we, if we had not lost him so recently, sure. uh, but his performance, I wanted to go back and it's, it's one, it's going to be one of those that every Unfortunately, Michigan, uh, a, you know, a person that's trying to Ugh. audition for a school is going to try to do because of how p- incredible that interpretation was of that monologue in my opinion mm-hmm. um and, and granted i've not seen many people do it but whenever you see something like that that's just so great and honest and passionate you know that 20 kids at home are going to be like i should do that um <laughs> like, no 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 please don't no please um, don't yeah Six, 16 but, year olds at their fez cons uh, are going to be trying that for uh, for solo work or something yeah hey oh yeah so um but just seeing that i knew that's that's important and that's powerful and that's going to be something that we watch over and over again for like sure. we watch with the james earl jones performance from the tony mm-hmm. awards from when he was doing fences things like that you know it's it's just one of those powerful moments yeah and what i thought was so compelling about this actually you mentioned the fact that a lot of the stage show is just the four band members yeah. sitting around talking waiting um and i i just felt like even though i knew all of those people you know we we, we know coleman domingo we know michael potts we know chadwick right. boseman we know glenn turman that just felt like the realest group of people honestly. that i've ever honestly. seen before like you knew who those people were you you felt like those conversations could you know you could be sitting in the middle of them and it's a testament to those four actors who are both or yes, who are both exactly. stage and screen greats. Um, it was just a wonderful ensemble. That's what I was going to say is that it, it was such a phenomenal showcase for these four actors and just how brilliant they are, especially with dialogue. It's also a testament for there's never any doubt of who these people are because of what's on the page and because of Wilson's writing, both the dialogue and I mean the stage direction and notes. When you have a character introduced, you pretty much in the notes learn everything you need to know about them and then the actor has a, has some wiggle room to do what they want with them 
I, I, I know I, 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 it was either the, like the variety stage craft podcast interview or it was some other piece, but Santiago Hudson was kind of talking about, uh, you know, having to cut some things in the piece, uh, the movie, as far as Wilson's writing and just trying to like, what do you balance that out with? And, Cause you don't really want to lose anything. Um, even for a short, as short as it is. And, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the method of doing that was, you know, more pictures, more collages, more images and replacing kind of Wilson's storytelling with more storytelling visually. And I think that also fits in with the acting. I think when you see something that has a little bit more openness as you do in a film like this, that's, you know, a little bit, as I said, I think it's a very tight piece, but I do think it still has some wiggle room and openness as far as what you're seeing in these performances. Yeah. I think that's part of the visual storytelling of it as well as these this group of actors. Yeah, and we would be remiss not to spend a decent amount of time talking about the leader of this group of actors who is Viola Davis, even though Ma Rainey is not oh, the... Oh, I was the, going to. Oh, Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. I was like, here's my shrine. <laughs> to Viola Davis mm. always. <laughs> we, I've said it for years on this and other podcasts. I think that Viola Davis is the single greatest actor working today Correct, in likewise. any and all mediums. Um, Regina King is getting close, but uh, she needs oh, to do yes. it on stage a little bit more. Yes. But um, I, I was interested in seeing this because I have talked about in the past my love for um, How to Get Away with Murder, which is a big showy performance <laughs> yeah. for, from Viola Davis. This was not. I mean, her costumes and her makeup and those, those eyebrows were very showy, um, but she did so much with a very low speaking voice and very, very quiet and just giving these cutting stabbing looks and then she would explode when she needs to as i said she's so good at that yeah she's i mean so good at that every single look was a meal and i i just i mean <laughs> no it, ironically it <laughs> every drink was uh, was a monologue when she drinks that coke oh we gotta uh, talk yes. about the coke go, moment go for the talk about Guys, the coke moment grace when she up chucks some of the coke back into the coke i'm like give her the oscar now <laughs> it's like the crazy. it's like the snot like, in doubt you know it's like the oh same my God, kind of yes. thing yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. gosh it's the same thing and it's just all these tiny minutia like choices that i'm like you're you are that person there is no yeah. question in my mind you are not viola davis giving a performance no 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 you are this no, person. Yeah. And coming from like, I come from North Georgia, um, Bessie Smith territory in Chattanooga, mm-hmm, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. There's always the Bessie Smith strut every year. Shout out. Didn't happen this year, obviously. Um, <laughs> but just knowing that history and not knowing anything about this woman. Right. So that, that was always my plug. Mm. And then watching this, how often she's like talking about her. And this is this imposing threat on a, a career that this woman yeah. has built for Bessie Smith. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, it, it was fascinating, guys. All right, we're going to take a real quick break to step away from our discussion about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
you know, as we get closer to the end of the year, we have talked about how this can be a difficult time for people to deal with the emotions of being alone or in isolation because of the pandemic. But I wanted to kind of go with a different direction with that today, Grace. One of the things that happens at this time of year every year is people start thinking about the things that they want to change in, in, the, in the new year. They want to talk about goals they want to set. They want to set New Year's resolutions. And this is an absolutely perfect time to, one, start actually addressing your mental health and then also talking to a real professional licensed therapist who can put some of these things that you want to do into perspective and get you on the road to accomplishing them in the new year. Yeah, it's nice because it's not it's not like a normal self-help. It's it's really about like discovering yourself and you can kind of message anytime via text, which surprised me because I didn't know it was going to be so accessible. <laughs> uh, but you can like schedule weekly video sessions or phone calls and it's way more affordable. I can't stress this enough. It is way more affordable than in real life counseling, which can also be daunting. And let's face it, we are in a freaking pandemic <laughs> um, and financial aid is possible. So like if you're on unemployment, if you're going through it, which we all are, there are many, many options available to you. They have a very comprehensive plan when you're filling things out. Yeah. And what's so great about BetterHelp is that they partner with so many different therapists around the country and around the world that they are able to match you up with somebody who has an expertise in exactly what you are looking to talk about, whether that's uh, dealing with uh, depression or anxiety or grief or anger or whatever it might be, or you just want to talk about things going on in your life, family, relationships, uh, LGBTQ plus things. Um, they have somebody who is there specifically to discuss the finer points of whatever it is that you are going through right now. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Broadway. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Broadway. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting, and, and maybe this is just me as uh, the weird dork who does this with a lot of, you know, True. powerful films. Take care. But it just, what this actually is, is a testament to August Wilson's writing that yep. this is a show, uh, you know, the show then turned movie that was originally set in 1927. Yet it felt so timely when we are at a point when we are talking about speaking of Georgia um we mm-hmm. thank black women for saving our democracy we thank black people for for getting out the vote and doing all these things and yet just a few days ago when the 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 first black woman to ever be elected vice president gives up her Senate seat, we don't replace it with another black woman. And I, I know mm. California is getting their first, uh, Latinx senator, which is amazing and it's long overdue, but we, th- we take from black people, um, so much and we never give them their due. Absolutely. And that, that is what Ma Rainey and Levy Green are talking about. They're at such different ends of the career spectrum, but that's what they're talking about. And it just felt to me like, shit, like this could have been like the crucible um, talking about something that happened in the past, but talking about now. Mm-hmm. But this came to Broadway in 1984. Right. Yeah. I mean, even in the concept of, you know, saying black women are saving our democracy, etc. That's always a thing of like we 
put the onus on black women and black people in general, but especially black women to save us when really they're saving themselves because there's just an extended history that's so well demonstrated in this movie of exploitation. And as you said, you know, it's kind of like this replacement of one black woman is out and we're not going to even entertain the idea of putting another black woman in her seat. And that's just, I mean, you look at theater in general and how it's kind of like, well, we already have one black show on stage this season. We couldn't possibly do another. <laughs> Audra's doing a show, so we're fine. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, exactly. we're not even going to get into the shuffle along of all of this. Uh, well, but, um, I was, I was, uh, I was going to, I was going to. I'll be ill. But yeah, always, always. Oh, never. But I got to I got to tie this back into the end of uh, Ma Rainey because I I had a flat. I was hoping real quick, real quick. Let's do Let's do the spoiler alert and just say (laughs) if you haven't seen it, the the, the final scene is pretty powerful. So if you don't want to hear what that is, fast forward a few minutes, um, but we'll talk about it. So go ahead, Grace. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Okay, cool. No, no, no. I appreciate that because uh, I would be pissed if I was listening to this and didn't know that was coming. Um, but I was looking forward to it. And actually, you just said that it's not in the script because uh, you were just reading the text as well. But yeah. at the very end of this film, uh, we see the white and let's be very clear, white men singing yep. uh, this version of Levy's song um, that they had stolen from him. Correct. Right. And mm-hmm. I flashback to a car ride with my father when I was like, I don't know, like six or seven. And um, I was we were listening to some rock and roll music like. And I, and I never had an affinity for like Elvis, but it was something along those lines. <sighs> and I said, oh, I really enjoyed this. And my dad looked at me and goes, I never want for a second for you to not realize that white people took this music from black people. And I need you to know that right now. And then I'm going to let you listen to the, sh- the stuff that they literally stole. And I had such a hard time believing this, right? Mm. Like I had such a, such a hard time. And I'm so glad he said that. So, um, directly to me and i think that this type of text for a lot of white people is very hard to articulate if you truly don't understand that this did happen and does happen and is continuing to happen so i needed the end to do that because i think it's so hard for people to digest and not go oh well that's a story that sucked no 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 this freaking happens and it's going to continue to happen out of it (laughs) yeah well there you go so i i'm so glad that they took that opportunity at the end and I understand that like the deviation from the text can be like hard and especially with August Wilson, that's difficult, but it was mm-hmm. powerful and important to me as, as a viewer. Yeah. And yeah that- so, so I was to say, go ahead. I did want to mention the person who played the band singer was uh, Quinn Van Antwerp, who is a uh, he's, he's done Jersey boys a lot. Um, so he's a, he's a Broadway, uh, guy as well. So just somebody I recognized and throw that in, but go ahead, Ash. Yeah. I was going to say, as what Grace was saying, it was such a, don't forget this is still happening moment. This Mm -hmm. was, this wasn't a, this was a, don't get comfortable moment. You didn't just watch a piece of fiction. Like this is a documentary. (laughs) Well, and that's (laughs) what, forget that. And that's what I want to talk about George C. Wolf, because as you look at his career, he has Mm -hmm. done so much to talk about. Out, 
black people's influence on music and music's influence on black people and then how yeah. that intersects with white people going back to Jelly's Last Jam which was like his first yes. hit then yep. Bring Into Noise Bring Into Funk which is the first Broadway show mm-hmm. I ever saw then Ooh. you then you get to uh, Shuffle Along which so many <laughs> yeah. issues with that but like <laughs> yeah. but there's he, he has such an understanding of how music influences black culture and how black culture influences music and then how white people co-opt it um yeah. it was it was such kind of a um it, it just kind of it, it put a nice bow on it to think of like george c it works so well because this is like george c wolf's wheelhouse um he understands and then even throw in caroline or change because that is mm-hmm. it's not about music but the music because it's a musical, but also like the music from the radio and stuff like that. It's a huge deal. And it just felt so right that George C. Wolf was the person directing, um, this film adaptation of, of Ma Rainey. For sure. Grace, as, as the actual only artist, uh, no offense, Ashley, of the three of us, we talk and write about artists. Wow. You are an artist. I'm sure your <laughs> chicken cordon bleu is a work of art in and of itself, Ashley, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been a jazz musician for 20 years, oh, yeah, that's but right. all right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Sorry. Sure. That's okay, fine. fine. She, you, you are no longer a working professional act or uh, artist. Um, I have no artistic ability whatsoever, but anyway, so. Grace, I just kind of wondered as, as an artist of various mediums, um, how the, the talk of commerce and art, um, hit you because we have this scene in the rehearsal room mm-hmm. where, where Chadwick Boseman's levy is kind of arguing that he actually says like, this is art. And I feel like it might be Toledo or maybe it's slow drag who says like, why are we talking about painting? And they just don't see the, the music as art. They see it as a way to make 25 bucks that they're going to get paid at the end of the day. So I, I think that's an underlying thing about, um, in this way, I think so much more of the text and especially this approach to it is, uh, about the power struggles between, um, white people trying to make money off of black people. But I think that the discussion of art, versus commerce is is an underlying thing that's really important in this film as well. Yeah, I think it also goes back to this like idea of just like gigging and that we still kind of do where it's like, oh, well, I, I need to be able to just like have dinner right now. And this is what I can do. Like physically, this is what I can do. Like I can draw right now. I can like write a piece. I can write a joke for somebody. I can get some money. And the thing, what I loved at the end was this, um, you know, where he's trying to pay Levy five dollars for, yeah, for the song. a piece of a piece of music. You know what I mean? That he's written for a band, and there's always this struggle with any artist all of the time to go. Well, I need this opportunity. I'm going to take practically nothing because I need this opportunity, and it may not even lead anywhere, but I have to. I have to do this. And so it's like, how much are you willing to like sacrifice and give? And I really enjoyed that scene at the end because uh, that struggle is all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot more about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as awards season gets into uh, the swing of things in early 2021. As of now, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 99 percent. Yeah. Um, and we have already started to see a lot of awards at like the regional film festivals um, go to the cast and to the film, um, the Los Angeles film 
uh, Critics Association gave uh, Best Actor to Chadwick Boseman and Best Supporting Actor to Glenn Turman. Um, the whole cast won one. Viola Davis has, has won one. There's a bunch more um, coming up. I feel like this is going to be one that we're going to be talking about at the Oscars and the Golden Globes and all of that stuff coming up For in sure. just a few months. So, um, like I said at the beginning, please let us know on social media what you thought of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can uh, reach out to me at BWW Matt on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. Grace, your turn. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Grace Yaki GRA. No, 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 Grace Aki Chan. You can find me on Twitter at Grace Akichan, G-R-A-C-E-A-K-I-C-H-A-N, and links from there. Okay, very good. Um, as we said, everybody, this is not necessarily the most holiday-themed uh, film to be talking about, but we do want to wish everybody uh, a very Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. If not, um, whatever you are taking the time to celebrate this season, whether it's Hanukkah, Festivus, Kwanzaa, whatever coming up between now and the end of the year you celebrate, we hope you have a wonderful time doing that. We will be back next week with an episode every single day that will include some interviews, some di- discussions between the three of us, and we're going to go back in our archives uh, and play some old interviews that we have with the great Rebecca Luker as well. So, uh, everybody have a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful weekend, and we will be back to talk to you next week. 